guys. Happy New Year. This is Sadie Gardner. And this is Traffic. I'm, I'm Jess LaPlante. I'm back again. <laughs> hey, Happy New Year. Year. <laughs> you would jump into that one. I did. Do you want to introduce our topic? I'm really excited about this one. So I, I'm going to talk a lot. Edit out whatever you don't want in it. I won't. Um, we know horror movies do. are my thing. They're your favorite. And when we first started dating, we were talking about favorite horror movies. I yeah. brought up the Conjuring movies. They're iconic. They're iconic. Um, and you mentioned Ed and Lorraine Warren uh-huh. and what a great couple they were. I did. And I said, no, no, no. <laughs> That's so the Hollywood version. Yes. Actually, potentially there's trafficking, a trafficking case involved with them. Um, I didn't know if it counted. You said that it did. It 100% does. Are you ready? I'm We can so keep talking ready. about it, though. Like, we can take as much time as we want because, like I kind of told you earlier, it's a short one. It's so short we have a lot, of, a lot of room for discussion. Great. Do you want to just start, though? Let's, let's, let's jump in. Let's jump in with the framework of, you know, they're presented as this perfect all-American. They are. Catholic couple with these really strong religious beliefs yes, and these really great family values. Yes. And I do think it's important to talk about the fact that this was the 1960s. We are just now actually getting legislation for human trafficking like today, this year, even Mm -hmm. like it's so new. So while this case is a hundred percent trafficking, it's not as like meaty in the sense that we don't get a trial, but that does not like lessen the fact that Ed Morin was a, a predator. A dirt bag. A dirt bag. <laughs> a fucking dirt bag. Okay. So background. We'll just jump in. Ed and Lorraine Warren were real life married demonologists who claimed that their Catholic faith helped them fend off forces of evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up in Catholic school. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what fended any, <laughs> any evil, but it's fine. Ed was a World War II Navy vet and a Virgo. And he claimed to be a self-taught ghost hunter. Right. Do you like that he's a Virgo? It brought me a little joy. Continue. <laughs> Lorraine calls herself calls herself a sensitive, a clairvoyant, and a light trance medium. If you are like me, I didn't know what any of those were. So I got a bunch of definitions. Great. So a sensitive means having perception through the senses. It has more to do with energy and understanding the energy coming from a person, a place, or a thing. So one article I read was from the perspective of a sensitive who's not a medium. Mm-hmm. And they said, quote, I'm not a psychic nor a medium. I cannot directly communicate with the dead like a medium. And I do not visually see or hear a spirit in its form in my mind. I feel them. When walking into a location as a sensitive, it's all about the energy, the feel of the room. Mm-hmm. Negative energy, for obvious reasons, can be draining and exhausting. For me, I know I'm in the presence of something negative when I become unbalanced in a vertigo kind of way. Mm -hmm. There's a heaviness that comes over my entire body and everything becomes sideways. This is a familiar feeling when I'm in the presence of a strong, powerful energy that isn't necessarily negative. The sensation of being unbalanced is present minus the sideways feeling. So that's a sensitive, evidently. Mm -hmm. Do you have any commentary on that? You so do. What's that? Not at this time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, want all the, I want all the definitions. Okay. Clairvoyance is quite the opposite. It's when someone seems to have special insight into future events when they have no previous experience or knowledge base to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So the information seems to come from the divine or at least some kind of supernatural ability to perceive future events. Okay. 
A medium is someone who can connect to a discarnate spirit. Mm -hmm. A trance medium is someone who allows themselves to be used as a channel for spirits. They relax their body and their mind and allow a discarnate spirit to use them as a channel. This can sometimes mean that the medium's physical features may change or their voice may change as the spirit enters their body and speaks through them, whether it be a deceased loved one, a spirit guide, an ascended master, or even non-human energies such as angels and demons. But it's okay. We're going to let that one go. <laughs> Did you know that in Catholic school growing up, I was the like, annoying kid who always pestered my religion teachers and was like, listen, this is great, but you know what would be cooler? A course called Angels and Demons, and no one ever listened to me, but I think that would have been dope. That doesn't surprise me even <laughs> a little bit. I it would have been cool. It would have been really it cool. It would have been really cool. Really cool. Because I would always be like, well, were there angels? And they'd be like, well, yeah, obviously there are angels. And I'm like, and demons are real. And they're like, yes. And so then I just stare at them and they'd be like, please go do your drawings. <laughs> and be like, okay, fine. This is evil. Okay. So Lorraine could communicate with spirits and she was an Aquarius. Okay. I just wanted to throw that in there Thank for you. you. Thank you for always doing that for me. <laughs> Ed and Lorraine met in Connecticut in 1944 when they were both 16. Ed was the usher at the movie theater Lorraine and her mother frequented. They started dating and Ed is immediately drafted at 17. He's deployed for four months when his ship goes down in the North Atlantic Sea and he's sent home on survivor's leave. Mm. Um, so I did a little research on this whole survivor's leave thing because I never heard of it before. And it was basically like an additional part of the sole survivor policy that was officially implemented in 1948, which was in response to like entire families dying in one incident. So the idea was we just took out your entire next generation. And if you're the one of the only people on your like squad that's mm -hmm. left, you can go home for like a little bit yeah. and like enjoy life. And then we'll bring you back. But like, we want to recognize the fact that you were almost murdered for us yeah go hug your mom i don't know go, i don't know <laughs> go enjoy your new lease on life after almost dying yeah so it's really bleak yeah very bleak so he gets sent home um they get married in 1945 while he's on this leave which makes sense they're only 17 but like he almost fucking died yeah so they're married um in 1950 they have a daughter named judy she's a cancer adorable july 6th that I is my that. mom's birthday. His awesome name, Jody. Jody, so close. Sorry, so almost close. like Judy, and then it's like, no, it's not. It's close though. Wrong vowel. Okay. <laughs> so I like to paint things, and in the beginning of their marriage, they would travel to houses believed to be haunted, mm -hmm. and Ed would set up an easel and paint the home, and then he'd gift this to the owners, who usually were, like wanted to give a tour to them, and that's how they got their hook in. Oh, yes. So as much as the movies were like. They just knew. They walked in, and the spirits held their hands, and we all went on this dance. Like, no, it was very scammy. It was very scammy. Ed is a dirtbag. Ed is a fucking dirtbag from the get go. I know. Okay, so that's kind of his his con artist trick. Mm -hmm. The couple is loosely depicted and exaggerated on screen in the Conjuring movies, mm -hmm. both Amityville Horrors and in The Nun and Annabelle. The Conjuring and spinoffs have grossed $1.2 billion for Warner Bros. Mm. The couple didn't have a fee, and they seem to be proud of this, which is confusing, because they required room and board and travel expenses to be fully paid for. Oh. So, like, yeah, thank you for not charging, but don't turn around and pat yourself on the back. Right. And for then, being charitable. But then they also knew they 
sorry. Can I? Yeah. They also knew they'd make money on like interviews and, and like the publicity. It's yeah. all fucking bullshit. It's so fucking okay. So they like clearly were benefiting from their travels across the U.S. and U.K. during the '60s, '70s, and '80s to quote unquote help families. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know my current theory on Ed and the Spirits, but we'll do it. We'll put a pin in that. We'll put a pin in it. We'll put a pin in it. So while they didn't charge for paranormal house calls, they were financially successful due to nine books, a lecturing schedule, and consulting on films based on their experiences, and that includes film rights. Mm -hmm. Like, they'd have this story and then sell the rights to that and make a really pretty penny. Right. So, anyway, Ed was the only non-ordained demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. I'm the worst, and so in parentheses, I said... If Catholics are good at anything, it's empowering pedophiles through recognition. So you know what? <laughs> There's not a lie there. I'm happy he's in. That's kind of a really big deal, though. Mm-hmm. That's a huge deal. That like they, the Catholic Church recognized like, him. You have validity and abilities. And he's the only non-ordained person to um, perform exorcisms. Mm-hmm. I think in the history of the Catholic Church, also. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't found a bunch that actually says he did. I have a bunch that said he he assisted. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure, like even he non, may have, non-ordained but... people can't even assist. There you go. I'm not sure though. Prefacing this with, I'm super not Catholic. Valid. <laughs> Here's my question: You really think a demon gives a fuck what training the exorcist has? I think it's very funny that the church thinks that like X Agreed. amount of people can handle it and then X can't. Like, I, I think it's like, I think the Catholic church and I don't want to speak for the church. Oh, you're so right. I'm not going to, you know what? I'm just going to not speak for the church. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Additionally, the Warrens founded the new England society for psychic research in 1952. Okay. Judith Penny meets Ed when she's 15. He's in his thirties and he's waiting for his demonologist reputation to take off. So he drives the city bus in Monroe, Connecticut to like actually provide for his family. Right. Cause hunting demons isn't really it. Mm-hmm. Um, yet Judith went to central high school in Bridgeport and Ed was her bus driver. Oh, Judith and Ed became a quote relationship with Lorraine's knowledge for 40 ish years. And I hate calling it a relationship. It's not a relationship, mm-hmm. but Judith herself, calls it this repetitively so I think it's disrespectful not to use her terminology but I hope everyone around me knows that it's not a relationship right we're using that with a grain of salt yes because I want to respect her Mm -hmm. in telling her story um by 1963 she moves in with the Warrens permanently how old would she be um honestly not sure I know she's still in high school though like she's not 18 okay so she's a baby yes between 15 and 18 so originally she stayed in the bedroom across the hall from Ed and Lorraine, but she moved into an add-on apartment the couple had built for her upstairs. Mm-hmm. Judith described the situation as, quote, one night he'd sleep downstairs, one night he'd sleep upstairs. Oh. So that's nice. The same year she was arrested after someone reported her relationship with Ed to police. She spent the night at a Bridgeport station while police tried to persuade her to sign a statement admitting to the affair. She refused and had to report to a delinquent youth officer for a month. And Ed picked her up from school and drove her to every mandated meeting during this time. Wow. So they arrested the vulnerable victim. That was so common before. Like, well, I know we already said that human trafficking didn't pick up right, like validity, I guess, until mm-hmm. recently, which is yeah. fucked up. However, 
especially now. I mean, like that's Hallmark. Man gets a fine so his wife doesn't know at home that he's being an adulterous piece of shit. Girl gets brought in and charged with a rap sheet because who cares about her future? I know. It's the worst. So I did a little bit of research into what she could have been charged with because that disturbed me. And mm-hmm. I also just wanted to know like what archaic laws we were enforcing. Right. And I found an article from 1990, Hartford, and it says, quote, Connecticut has rediscovered a relic from its Puritan past. Police this summer have charged four people with adultery. In a state known for progressive laws on abortion rights, education, and the environment, use of the rarely enforced state adultery law is raising eyebrows. It's a dinosaur, said New Haven attorney Hugh Keith. What a spouse needs if she has a cheating husband is a divorce lawyer, not a cop. Under the law, a married person commits adultery by having sexual intercourse with someone other than his or her spouse. Single people cannot be charged. Okay. Conviction on the misdemeanor charge carries up to a year in prison and a $1,000 fine. Whoa. End quote. It's interesting to me that the law would be at all involved in... Adultery? Yeah. I think that goes back to, like, we were very Puritan country mm-hmm. when we started, and we we make laws that reflect our morals. Right. Which is shitty, but true. Gotcha. And in that instance, and I don't know, actually, currently, I would like to believe that that's been replaced by something more moderate, mm-hmm. but who knows. Um, Ed often told Judith, Judith that she was the love of his life, but Ed and Lorraine would tell anybody else that she was a niece or a poor child benefiting from their charitable interest in her. Mm. Yeah. Also, two seconds. Her name is Judith. His daughter's named Judy. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it? Like, in no article I read did anybody say, that's a little fucked. It's a little bit fucked up. Like, I'm going to say it. If my dad was sleeping with a woman named Sadie... I would change my name again. I would move out of the state and might move out of the country. Like I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Need to take hot showers every hour. Like not okay. Yeah. That's pretty gross. He actually almost dated a Sadie, but we can move past this. We don't have to. I'll talk about it with my therapist later. Oh my Um, God. In May of 1978, Penny got pregnant with Ed's child when she was in her thirties, but she's still living there. So she's in her thirties. The rain begins campaigning really, really hard for Judith to get an abortion. Um, you know, the devout Catholic woman right. and wife was mm-hmm. saying this. Just wanted to oh, yeah. remind us all. Lorraine said if the birth became public, then the scandal could ruin their ghost hunting business. Mm-hmm. So Penny said Lorraine presented as a devout Catholic, but claimed her, quote, real God is money, end quote. Shoot. Okay. Yeah, shoot. Yeah. Sheesh. Yes, all of these things. When Judith didn't respond well to the idea of an abortion, Lorraine came up with an arguably worse story to explain the pregnancy. Trigger warning. Quote, they wanted to tell everyone that someone had come into my apartment and raped me, and I wouldn't do that. I was so scared. I didn't know what to do, but I had an abortion. The night they picked me up from the hospital after having it, they went out and lectured and left me alone. End quote. Oh, my God. Yes. Penny says there were times she thought Ed and Lorraine would kill each other. Ed was known to backhand Lorraine so aggressively she would lose consciousness. So Stockholm Syndrome has been mentioned in a single article that I found, but I couldn't find anything more on that. Right. 
not saying there isn't any validity, but I think it's important to remember that it's just a theory, albeit a semi-convincing one. Mm-hmm. I say this because Judith has a quote that I think illustrates this. Some Okay, quote, sometimes Ed would actually have to slap her across the face to shut her up, end quote. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what happened in this house, but I think that while Lorraine was complicit in her husband's crimes, she was also victimized Absolutely. in her own right. And I think he created an environment where even, like, I understand why, but I think that the idea that she looks at Lorraine and she says that sometimes she needed to get hit across the face by her husband and by Judith's own abuser is indicative of the, like, the atmosphere he created in that home for both women. It was very much like every woman is just trying to survive. Yes. She's working for herself. Yes. And nobody asks or needs to be hit by an abusive man ever. He can control himself, but nobody needed to be hit by him because he got upset or worked up or needed to get her to shut the fuck up. Like, that's not how you treat someone you love. That's not how you treat someone you love ever. No. No. So the same article had this really, really fun parallel that I'm going to give to you. Okay. This author is out there. I love her. I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. She said that the three stages of possession, as outlined by self-renowned demonologist Ed Warren, are infestation, oppression, and possession, mm-hmm. which she finds closely analogous to sexual predatory, like a sexual predator preying on a victim. Mm-hmm. She says the American Bar Association outlines sexual grooming in cases of child abuse as targeting, gaining access to, and isolating victims to gain their trust and control, i.e., full possession. Right. So. She completely cops to the fact that she doesn't think that they spun this whole movie to try to be like, this is a take on Ed's pedophilia mm-hmm. and the way that he targets children. But she was like, it's very interesting that they said that he was so into methodology and mm-hmm. then he was perpetrating the same shit against minors that had no chance. He so was, he was so close to it. Of course, he understood it. Right. Almost. Right. Know? But I thought you'd like that theory as well. I really do. Just I because like it's, it's cinematic. It's real. Mm-hmm. There are parallels. And then we have that. And those three stages of possession are, like, kind of one of the things he's known for. Yes. It's mentioned in the Conjuring movie. Mm-hmm. It is. It totally is. And I probably wouldn't even remember that if I didn't watch it last night. <laughs> I agree. Okay. So legal issues. In the Conjuring, Lorraine's character asks Ed, quote, Do you remember what you said to me on our wedding night? You said that God brought us together for a reason. Mm-hmm. End quote. A few weeks after the first film aired in 2013, allegations that in the 1960s Ed initiated and maintained a relationship with a minor, Judith, with his wife's knowledge, came to light. Mm-hmm. Judith is now in her 70s, and she isn't a party to any litigation and stands to gain no material benefit from her like near half a century confession. Right. She's just telling the truth about a couple grossly mischaracterized on television. And I think she'd know more than anybody else, including their own daughter, what Ed and Lorraine were like day to day for 40 years. Right. I'm going to come back to that. I'm not just saying that because I'm being like self-righteous. Mm-hmm. Here's my biggest bullshit point, though, to Lorraine and her attorney's claim that she had no knowledge of her husband's pedophilia. Bear in mind, typical stipulations in contracts might range from like, please don't depict us engaging in any illegal activity or like don't introduce a mistress into a plot line. Right. Please. This is what Lorraine stipulates in her and Ed's contract. Quote, the film couldn't show her or her husband engaging in crimes, including sex with minors, child pornography, prostitution, or sexual assault. 
neither husband nor wife could be depicted as participating in extramarital sexual relationships, end quote. If that isn't, I know what the fuck the monster sharing a bed with me some nights is doing and it's not going to ruin my publicity. Like, I don't know what else is. That's so specific. And I'm not the only one saying this. Like, other attorneys, I'm not an attorney. I'm a law student. But, like, people in the legal profession were like, that's oddly specific. It's it's a Carol Baskin, like, if my husband went missing, I get to benefit kind of thing. It's like, nobody says that shit, though. Nobody puts in their will. But if I go missing, let my third wife have access to all of my material profits. It's fine. We're moving on. (laughs) Okay. Warners declined to comment on the article, but an attorney for the studio stated in the court document that a disgruntled author and producer suing the studio was pushing the story as a personal vendetta. Mm-hmm. I'll get back to him in a second. Okay. Another source who personally knew Ed and Lorraine emailed Warner Bros. and New Line. So New Line are the people that said based on a real story. That's why they're involved with it. Because the whole argument isn't you committed statutory rape for x amount of years if it's like the best case scenario Mm -hmm. you were a human trafficker but that's not a thing right now um people are angry in court because they said they're based on a real story when the couple could not have been further than what they were like in real life yes i want to get that out there like that's the entire legal argument which is really really fucking weak i don't think it's going to go anywhere right but like if it's just heartbreaking to me that like if there were going to be a legal like if there was going to be a legal resolution it's not judith who's benefiting it's not her who's getting any validation or like restitution or right. healing from this. It's like a couple producers that were like, right, but I was in on the first movie and you did this one thing wrong. So give me all the money from the subsequent subsequent sequels. It's like, okay, like I get it. You think that somebody impeded your originality, mm-hmm. but you're using an actual victim to say that you didn't get as much money as you deserve. And I just don't feel as bad for you. And like, yeah. if it's getting presented, your case isn't the one I want to hear. Mm-hmm. So I want to get that all out now. Producer Tony DeRosa Grund is the one who they said has a personal vendetta. He said the film was a far cry from an accurate, accurate portrayal of the Warrens. And that's who's the, like the attorney was saying had a personal vendetta. The old acquaintance that said that it couldn't have been further was just mad that they basically made them a loving couple, which Mm. can you imagine we have a personal friend one day or like an acquaintance of us mm-hmm. and there's a movie about us and their biggest fucking issue is that we were loving towards one another. They're like, nope, that can't be right. Get that out of here. That's not true. Like, Granted, we aren't going to be the couple that hits each other across the face. But... Okay. Very true. But I just thought that that in, the, in and of itself it's was also stupid. just like a and loss. Can I ask even from like, this might be a dumb question. I saw of those, but like, can't they say based on a true story, based on like the fact that they, as a couple, did do these cases? And so that's what a bunch of people are saying. The The answer is it depends. It depends. Like a bunch of people have different thresholds for what they can say is based on what. Gotcha. It's a created like, but the, what it comes down to, in my opinion, is like, this was a film creative liberties are taken. Right. How do we tell you guys what's a, based on a true story threshold and then tell these people like it isn't, even though you were talking about demonologists and their experience. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. just creates more questions than it would provide resolutions, which is kind of the opposite of what courts like to do. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> a brat. 
Okay, so Ed died in 2006, but Lorraine's attorney said that the family had no knowledge of the alleged conduct, and Lorraine, now in her 90s, is in declining health and unable to respond to allegations. She died in April of 2019. I put that in there because in 2006, she could have fucking responded to allegations of her husband's pedophilia. And for the subsequent 13 years after. my thing. You weren't in declining health. You didn't want to acknowledge the shit that you clearly knew about as stipulated in your contract. But we can say whatever the fuck you want to feel better. Right. I hope that attorney doesn't sleep well at night, but it's fine. Lorraine's attorney said, quote, the Warrens opened their home to Miss Penny when she was 18 and had nowhere else to live following a childhood of neglect. But she wasn't 18. I'm going to pause and quote here for a second because I am going to go off. You know what, <laughs> you know what, like, enduring a childhood of neglect doesn't excuse? Hmm. Like, allowing your husband to victimize a child for 40 more fucking years and feel guilt-free about it because she had a shitty childhood and you can tell yourself you saved her. Yeah. Like, you didn't respect her or value her as a human and you decided that from her childhood and continued to victimize her every day. Exactly. Go fuck yourself. But let's get back to what her attorney said. During much of their career, Ed and Lorraine were on the road working on cases and getting lectures. Miss Penny lived at and watched their house. He also conveniently added that there was speculation that Penny had a boyfriend who eventually became her husband, which is true. She eventually gets married, is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Um, and that he was likely manipulating her into saying all of these things. <sighs> Worth noting that Ed had a wife and was abusing Penny for 40 years. So if she did develop a relationship with another guy, I doubt that'd be outlandish, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Penny and her husband allegedly spent many holidays with the Warren family, like after they got married. But at that point, that was her family, as shitty as it was. That's why I kind of feel a Stockholm vibe more than like, I don't, I'm not sure that's, not pursued because people don't think it i think it was like not something that we we could verify at the moment but right. like there are so many things that kind of make me think like this was just her normal exactly. but that doesn't make it okay exactly like it was still criminal yeah so the producer derosa grund responded to the studio's lawyer in this email so in discovery when you're we got a bunch of attorneys fighting each other every single email gets published and like mm-hmm. available for the courts to see. So this is one of those emails. This guy said, quote, not only was the Warren's marriage a far cry from the on from the one portrayed on screen, but their daughter Judy didn't live with her parents at all during her childhood. She lived with Lorraine's mother. Penny was the only young girl living in the Warren's house. Ed was a pedophile, a sexual predator, and a physically abusive husband. Mm-hmm. Lorraine enabled Ed to do this. She knowingly allowed this illegal read criminal relationship to continue for 40 years. They lied to the public. And this was sent after the second film aired in 2016, amplifying the loving relationship between Ed and Lorraine. Right. Isn't that the one where he like sings on the guitar? Yeah. And they have to stay in separate beds in the inn or hotel that they're staying at. He's like, I'm not sure I can sleep away from you for a night or for these many nights. And she's like, oh, I'll give you something to look forward to when we get home. But something interesting that I'm going to tangent on do is in the movies, they very clearly show Judy's grandmother, Lorraine's mother, staying at the Warren house with Judy. Like she, there's a scene where she calls home yeah, to, and says, mom, is Judy okay? Check on Judy. It does not at all depend. It like, it, ugh. but I honestly, okay. I appreciated 
the fucking disgruntled producer, whoever the fuck, Mm -hmm. being like, their daughter didn't live there because in her own, like, Lorraine's attorney is like, this child is being ungrateful. She was brought into this house. Mm -hmm. She was a house sitter. It's like, you know who's a great house sitter? Your daughter. Your daughter. You know who didn't ever need to be there in the first place? A stranger. Judith. Yeah. Well, it's also interesting to me that they're like, well, we we brought this girl in after a childhood of neglect. And it's like, you didn't even pay attention to your own fucking kid. Yeah. No, I, I no, don't. No, no, no. Not... Genuinely, it doesn't. Don't pretend there was any legitimate interest in her other than Ed's pedophilia. Exactly. Because there aren't any. Not to accuse, you know, Judy of being a victim of neglect per se, if she did live with her grandmother or whatever the circumstances like were, I'm not throwing accusations. So she was. Exactly. It's like, I'm not throwing things and hoping they stick. I'm just saying like, right. if you don't want a child to be neglected, you take pay, care attention, of pay attention to your own fucking kid. Pay attention to your own fucking child. Mm-hmm. Also, why did Judith not move in with Lorraine's mother as well? So many questions. Like if that was the home that could be like stable and right. loving. Exactly. And then you had to go into the abandoned home with the man that was a, a Who was raping you every consistently. Day. Every 40, or every other day. For 40 Thanks. years yeah. is the thing though. Like exactly. he had unfettered access to her for 40 years. Yeah. Um, another attorney, Sanford Dow, said, quote, Mr. Warren has been accused of being cut from the same exact cloth as convicted Penn State football child molester Jerry Sandusky mm-hmm. and accused sexual predator Bill Cosby. Mrs. Warren, in both condoning and covering up these heinous acts, is as complicit as her husband. I agree. The suit says that the studio ignored the truth to protect, it, protect its billion-dollar franchise. But here's the thing. If the entire suit is based on the true story allegate, like, statement mm-hmm. i just don't think it's gonna go anywhere of that's just not. me so, so these are just like the last concluding remarks um judah said that in the summer of 1990 ed asked her to camp out in the supposedly haunted union cemetery in eastern connecticut ed asked her to imagine what the white lady who was responsible for a lot of the hauntings would look like if they hypothetically saw her which is something he boasted to people that he did all the time mm-hmm. so she dressed up in a white sheet and helped him orchestrate the photograph in the cemetery to look like ed had photographic evidence of an apparition <laughs> and she said that like after he died obviously but like that's worth mentioning additionally after ed's death many people began recanting their paranormal experiencing experiences like involving him mm-hmm. Some families said he even paid them for their corroboration, a.k.a. to lie. Right. Um, Judith and Ed's relationship ended in 2003, but she stayed cordial with him until his death in 2006. Quote, as I'm older now, I can't even fathom why Lorraine let me stay there. Lots of times I think, why did I do this? Why did I screw up my life like this? Sometimes I get angry thinking about it. How much was taken away from me? End quote. And that's my Ed Warren case. Wow. I know. I know. I think it's really heartbreaking how much resentment she has at Lorraine specifically, but I think it's justified. Absolutely. Holy shit. I really do think both of those women were victims, even though like Lorraine clearly benefited more and had more of the privileges of kind of being like, well, I had a legitimate marriage. Like Lorraine was abused until 2006 when that motherfucker died. Like, I don't know. Well, absolutely. But also like, that was the only other point of contact yeah. Judith had. Her intervention, yeah. And that lady basically was like, you're an ungrateful brat. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if her, I think she probably saw her, saw her as a serious threat. 
always. Like she was the other woman. Well, that's the most. She was the other child. Yeah. But sure, she's the other woman. That's the most sickening thing about, um, I think, women who excuse their husbands or try to defend their husbands when they are cheating, lying assholes, especially when children are involved, is they genuinely see these children as threats to their marriage. And like people that need to be threatened and brought down. The threat to your marriage is your husband being a fucking asshole. Your husband's a piece of shit. Your marriage is a joke. Yeah. If your spouse is having like, is getting attention from other human beings, that's hurtful for you. Yeah. That is indicative of so many things that are wrong that like need to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But if he's victimizing minors and you're just like, we all have our things. We all have our vices. Like, no, we fucking don't. No. You aren't acknowledging other people's trauma and pain, and that in and of itself is its own thing that you're going to have to pay for one day, Miss Catholic. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't wait for your explanation on that bullshit, but that's fine. I'm glad your marriage stayed intact and you didn't get a divorce. So that's frowned upon. Ugh. Sorry, I get very heated when talking about religion. No, I understand now why you're so upset about this case. <laughs> it's, it's just not like light reading. It was very much like, cool. Yeah. These people not an attorney legitimate like Paul Peterson, but like religion somehow worse. You don't convince somebody that you're there for love and then hurt them. I don't care what your fucking guys is. That's fucked up. You don't treat other humans that way. Also, if your religion tells you to be shitty to another human, maybe you need to reevaluate your religion. Right. Like, I don't think God wants that, but it's fine. Really though, we got really far away from it. However, I think Ed was full of shit. I don't think he was a demonologist. No. I don't think he even committed, like, committed. I don't think he knew how to do an exorcism. No. I think he was able to say this shit for so long because I think Lorraine might have had an actual ability. I've always felt the exact same way. And, hey, maybe that was another way he controlled her. You know what I mean? Maybe she didn't understand. And it was the 60s. Maybe she really didn't have any way of being recognized about her husband. And that was my other, that, yeah. And that was my other thing of, like, we know I hold a lot of um, open-mindedness and beliefs towards spirituality and right, right, mediums right, right. and clairvoyance and um, specifically people who are sensitive and mm-hmm. sensitives. That's like something I very much believe in. Right. But I can't imagine finally having someone in your life who believes you and, and really like honors you for that ability and gets you recognition and gets people to fucking believe you that's also to me another manipulation tactic. Of he's like, you bring me down. We're gonna, both going. You're going down. down with me, and everyone's going to call you a liar and a fake. And to have like recognition and validation on something for the first time in your life, probably, I wouldn't want to lose that. I would. I wouldn't victimize a child well, to not 100%. lose that. But I think what ugh, I agree with you. I think there's so much truth and energies and people mm-hmm. that can be sensitive and all of these things. But like if my wife came to me and she was so worked up or like didn't feel valued or respected or like she was able to take up the space that she did by feeling these ways and she confided in me like no amount of public scrutiny or anything else I think matters Mm -hmm. like I would validate her 
I would be like, I see you mm -hmm. and you don't need anyone else's approval. And I think you're hundred percent right. I think he spun it the other way though. Cause he's yeah. an abuser and he never loved her. Right. Maybe he did. I just don't fucking think he did. I don't think that's love. I don't either. So that's my thing though. Like yeah. I think if he really had, he would have been like Lorraine, you're incredible. Mm -hmm. We're going to hone this. And that's, those who want to believe will. That's almost like that's a healthy relationship. Gas. What? You're lying. Yeah. I don't know. I um. I also think now hearing all of it, like he probably exaggerated Lorraine's abilities even. I'm sure he did. But, but I, I think exaggerating someone's existing ability isn't the same as pretending you have anything that compares to hers. Right. It, and maybe um, he did. Maybe he really thought he was a demonologist. I don't. I mean, I just think it's also important to, to remember that he's a salesman. Yeah, who gives people paintings? Mm -hmm. Well, and it was a, a stalker. From the like I don't know. I just don't know if that that's how you start a like a valid business. Well, it undermines so much of like how I thought of them. Even you know before I read about the allegations and well, it's different. Even if we're on a road trip mm -hmm. and you get a horrible migraine mm -hmm. and we pull over next to an abandoned house in a cemetery mm -hmm. and then we approach, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. completely fucking different than like, Oh, I'm going to paint saying, this house and we'll see if I heard a house on this street might have something we can benefit from. Let's yeah. go paint their house mm -hmm. and approach the owners so that they think that we're not creepy. Yeah. Terrible. I mean, different times call for di different cons, but like, it's also that the movies depict him as a painter and he's always in his office painting. I didn't it's know a that. Huge thing. Yeah. And there's That's a painting funny. of in conjuring Two, a painting of the house in, in the first conjuring movie it's in his study. Just weird. Mm. Just, just little tidbits from, from the movies. But yeah. I almost feel conflicted about the movies watching now? them now and, and, providing additional royalties or whatever to that family. I guess there was a deal at one point in time where I think it was when the producer was saying something like he got this cut or something. Mm -hmm. There was actually a deal in line where Judith Penny would get $150,000 for her the rights of her story. And the like, basically the, the recognition of like, we're not going to talk about you anymore. We're not going to bring you up. Like, there are theories that she could also be the girl who runs up to them in the first movie from the lecture. Oh, they're like a million different little yeah. Easter egg things that are like, well, maybe they're alluding to this or maybe that's like her mm -hmm. peeking through and like what it comes like the, that deal fell through. She didn't get anything. Oh. None of these things are still like, that was the only one that even included her. And then it wasn't obviously that's so gross. I agree. And so that's another reason that it's just kind of like, I don't know if it's a question of supporting the movies as much as it's like, how are these movies still so popular and nobody fucking knows that she exists is yeah. my thing. And like, I'm not saying if she'd gotten that money or that settlement, then like we didn't have the right to know she existed or like, right. I just think there is something to say, like what she wants in her seventies now that she's finally getting this off her chest. Like, and I don't know the same way we were talking about, Judy at this point, their daughter, yeah. just wants to be left alone. Yes. And that's been her whole thing. Like she didn't love the conjuring movies. She, you know, consulted on them, but yeah. she, she was like, I just at this point in my life, I was bullied for it in school. She went to Catholic school as well. Yes, yeah. she was pretty bullied. Uh, I just she had to lie about what her parents did in mm -hmm. sixth grade to like the 
I think it was a nun. I think a nun was like, Judy, what do your parents do? And she went home that night and was like, dad, what do I say? And he was like, tell him I'm a landscaper. And she was in charge of the plants for a year. And she like killed them all, but like, didn't, yeah. she couldn't be like, my dad's a demonologist. My mom's a medium. Right. Like she could have, but like, but she could not. From have. the same vein, I wonder if at this point, you know, Judith is in her seventies. I'm sure she doesn't want to think about this every day. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. From their daughter's perspective, she didn't even really know her parents. Mm-hmm. Like she did clearly. But like she, she didn't grow up with them. That's different than growing up with them every day. Yeah, she's a different human. I think she's in charge of their their museum still. But like, oh, that's just a that thing museum. she runs with her husband. She says that the like a lot of it though, like she's never seen the doll move. The dolls never left the case. Like her life is the diluted what's left of what her parents put her through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also shitty too. Yeah. But I just wanted to talk about that for a second. What were you saying about Judith? I'm sorry, I do realize. I was just saying the same way that Judy is saying, like, I I just want to be left alone. I'm done with this. I was ridiculed for it. It, right. it colored every shade of my life. Right. I'm sure that Judith, I'm not sure, actually, no, I'm not sure of anything. I feel, even though I've never been put in that situation, if I were Judith, that I would want my privacy. I would not want to relive right. it every day. I wouldn't want to go be part of a trial about film rights and money happening 30 years or, or even no, like, I think she said all this to get it out in the open. I yeah. think she's allowed to take up the space. She's oh, I think absolutely. she's finally healing. And so I think you're right though. Like, I think she gave the public the information that we have mm-hmm. for herself and only her, Yeah, which is all that matters now. Exactly. She's the only one left of the abusers even, but yeah. it's just like, I agree, whatever the fuck she wants, we should all respect. Mm -hmm. But I think she's done a decent job at that because I could, like, it was pulling teeth finding anything about her other than that one statement she released in 2014. Yeah. And her, to her credit, she put it all in a sworn statement to courts. Like, it's out there. It's recorded forever. But short of that, like, couldn't find a marriage certificate. I couldn't even really find her birthday. Like, I got her age. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, nothing on her childhood. Couldn't even find an alias, which is fine. Like, if she has one, none of our fucking business. Right. But, like, I would also like to say, if that's her goal, she's doing beautifully. Mm-hmm. And she's got what she needed to get out. Almost. I hope she's okay. Like, Me genuinely. Too. I hope that she's... I hope her husband's nice to her. I hope she's in a happy marriage. <laughs> if she has kids, I hope she and her kids are happy. If she, like... Me too. Especially... Oh, I don't know. I just, I hope she's happy. I hope she's healing or Me healed. Well. Me as well. I don't think you ever stop healing from something like this. I hope she's healing. I hope she's okay. <laughs> Me as well. Me as well. But that was our, that's our Lorraine and Ed Warren story. It was a bummer. <laughs> it was a bummer. I tried to tell you. When yeah. they don't have trials, there's this feeling of like, oh, we, we lost. And it's like, yeah. we didn't necessarily lose. There's a different time that doesn't mean that our victim is less powerful or that our that our trafficker is less of a trafficker. Right. It just means that if it had happened today, we'd have a lot more to go through. And maybe the motherfucker would have gotten prison time. Which maybe. he deserved. Maybe. Yeah. You know how celebrities go down in this country. <sighs> well, thank you for um taking my suggestion. Anytime, any problem. Anytime. <laughs> any problem. Any problem. Just for you. <laughs> Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. Thanks New for Year drinking episode. leftover champagne with me while we did this. I loved it.
the champagne. Thanks for um, <laughs> finishing researching this story while I fell asleep right after midnight. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> all right, you guys, this is the post breakdown led by Jess that we were all wanting. Here we go. Okay. For backstory, <laughs> we stayed up until midnight last night for the new year and I was really tired and I like instantly fell asleep. I took my makeup off and you were out. I you were like, baby, out. I'm going to stay up. And then I looked over and you were like on your face in the bed, passed out. Yeah. Like there was no waking I, you up. Look, I planned on staying up with you while you did that episode. It was really sweet. But I did. However, we did put on The Conjuring and I woke <laughs> up like 20 minutes into the movie. Yes. So after that, I had a lot of thoughts that I wanted to say to you about the movie, but you were working. And so I wrote them <laughs> down. So this is starting in that scene where all of the picture frames fall down on the staircase and the mom's running around the house freaked out. Kim, before you start, can you talk about how funny it is that you go to sleep to horror movies? They like soothe you. They're my comfort movies. And you woke up last night and you were like, there was someone in the room with us. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And then you watch this movie. But please keep going. I just like to point out your little oddities. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I do my best. You know Hill House is my comfort show. It's incredible. What did it do? Listen, <laughs> The Haunting of Hill House, in my opinion, revolutionized the horror industry forever. If anybody's drinking right now, you have to finish your glass. That's a Jess game. It is a Jess game. Anytime Jess says the Hill House revolutionized the horror <laughs> industry, your entire drink's got to go. Okay. <laughs> do I have to say all of them? Because a lot of them no, are you like, you're so petty. You're so <laughs> Okay. Here are my thoughts. Conjuring thoughts while Sadie's working. Starting in that scene where the picture frames fall down. Okay. Everyone in movies always wear robes around the house. Like they're always wearing robes and slippers. And I I don't wear like a, the babies or the adults. Both. Like even children wear robes, like in the haunting of Hill House. That's true. But I just yeah. I've never worn a yeah, I won't mind that. I've <laughs> never worn a robe around the house. And I feel like if I was hearing noises, I wouldn't take the time to, to put like, on put a robe, robe and on. my house shoes. But just a fun fact, my neighbors, and then I added, my neighbors are lucky if I'm wearing pants when I let the dog out. You're, yes, we do know that. I have to show you Mystic Pizza, one of my favorite 80s movies. I know you don't like them. I don't hate 80s movies. But the mom in so The Conjuring is one of the main characters in oh, Mystic Pizza. Oh, she's creepy. Like, she's a great actress, clearly. She's but, like, so cute I don't like young. her in The She has this big curly ponytail. It's adorable. You're not really supposed to, but, like. Okay. This is the part you're going to want to comment on. Okay. So Ed was walking in the house with Lorraine, and um, the dad goes, we're not really a church-going family. And he goes, you might want to rethink that. Our presence here might make it worse because we're a threat. Or maybe your presence makes demons worse because you're a fucker. And you can fuck off of that. They walk. No, seriously. I think that is why they had any paranormal like, mm -hmm. experiences if they had real ones. Well, a huge if. Mm-hmm. I think Ed absolutely made things fucking mad, though, just by walking in. Like, let's be completely honest here. The whole idea is, like, disgruntled beings or entities or spirits. Mm -hmm. No one likes a pedophile, no dead or alive. Like, literally no one no fucking one likes, likes a wife beater. No one likes a wife beater. No one likes a pious man no. who's a criminal at the end of the day. And we talked about this specifically with Amityville. Yes. Because we both believe the house is haunted. Yes. 
we don't necessarily believe that Ronnie DeFeo, is that his name? I think so. That's the son. Um, Isn't he the murderer? Yeah. Wouldn't have killed his family without the demonic presence there. We believe that George Lutz was probably a shitty guy and abusive towards his wife and kids without the house. But we also think that the energy in that house fed off of them and made them act more violent. I agree. Uh, was something we've talked about. I think so. I don't want to speak for your beliefs. I just, I think it's really, I like paranormal things. Me too. You of all people know how I feel about mm-hmm. the paranormal. I do. However, I think George Lutz and I think Ronald DeFeo Jr. were both mm-hmm. fucking murderers. Absolutely. And like, I don't know if like, that's not true. Well, George Lutz didn't. He didn't murder anybody. No. But I think, abusive, like, though. he was abusive as fuck. Yeah. I think, like, there could have been a haunting in the house. But, mm-hmm. like, you were a dirtbag when you walked into that house. And that house made you more of a dirtbag. Like, that doesn't excuse. And the house the, like, was more haunted because you were a fucking dirtbag. And don't it fed off piss of that. things off. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're a shitty human, you know what you shouldn't do? Move into, like, the most haunted house you can find. I think it's going to make you shittier. Just some thoughts. If you're a nun, go do um, what you want. That might be good for the property. But, like, I don't know if short of that. And, like, I mean a good nun. I'm not talking about a fucking the Warrens version of a nun. I'm mm-hmm. talking about, like, someone who actually dedicated their life to, like, the church and God right. and, like, who genuinely loves Jesus so much. Like, you should go to haunted places. Mm-hmm. I think your presence would be helpful. Yeah. But, yeah, no, in the movie when he's, like, it might piss him off. It's, like, what are you alluding to? Hmm? Probably not your affair, Lorraine. But, like, yeah. we can improvise. No, no, no. I said Lorraine because of her little contract stipulation. You're right. I will never forget her. You're right. I I'll don't be in the movies except for blank. Yeah. My husband can't do any of these very specific child crimes. Yeah. Okay, bitch. Um, I still want to set up fine cameras during your finals next semester. You're going to say no. We're not setting up any cameras. You're pulling um, a paranormal Did activity. I ever tell you The Conjuring was the first horror movie I ever watched? You didn't. My dad took me to see it in theaters, and it's what really kicked off my love of horror. That's um, cute. And it's why, until today, was one of my favorites. Oh, that's sad. Um, Paranormal Activities is good. That was my first. I got the box really? set. Yeah, I have like all three. That was like, and then I make, I take those to the lake house with me, and I make all my cousins watch them. I watched too. Paranormal Activity for the first time in August. Jarrett had never seen it before this summer either. Like, Jared. we made him watch all three with us. They're on over. Netflix. They I were. Really? They were when I watched. Well, either way, we don't have Netflix, the Lake House, but we have a DVD player. Um, then I literally typed out, "Oh, you're cranky. This is gonna be bad." <gasps> One comment. Um, I love that we see Ed. I, well, I love to hate that we see Ed as this like all American man when he's fixing the dad's Chevy and like giving family advice. Yeah, that was gross. For it's me. disgusting. I think it's cute for the actor actually, though, which is like weird. I think the actors. Too. I love that actor. I He's like, also I the, like dad. the actress. Like I Me think too. they both killed it for what they were given. Yeah. And I don't think either of them would have done it if they'd known all the things about it either. It took me forever to put this together, but the dad or Ed Ed Warren in the Conjuring movies is the same dad as in the Insidious movies. Yes, I knew that. I did not put that together. Until no, that way really later. bothered me actually because isn't I actually like him better as a dad in the Insidious movies because I, I feel like he too. like loses it. Like he's a great oh, actor. He's my so thing. talented. He is. Um, and then I wanted like a comment. He feels old on Western, Western society. Um, it's interesting to me that we get so many 
exorcism-based and Catholic-based haunting movies. And it's so pervasive in the horror industry of like that. There's always, to me, Satan or Satan worshipers or a witch. I do. Or a witch or a demon. And I just feel like, A, it's overdone. Be a little bit more creative. Haunting a pill house, dude. Yes. Um, (laughs) But also like that says so much about West, like, I'm watching very white movies and I'm watching very Western movies. On like, yeah. And no, also no wonder people are so afraid of witches. But yeah, it's just interesting. I would love to see. I think there's, I think there's one that just came out on Netflix about like a family or a couple that immigrated from Africa. Oh no way! Yeah, and I want to watch that. I want to take the time to invest in it. But I also would love to see like horror movies from different cultures and yeah. and expand my own understanding. So. There's this French one called The Orphanage that I don't think I've maybe watched yet and I'm obsessed. Okay. I don't think anything's scarier than like having to watch an international film and being that involved because you're literally reading subtitles but like there's no other way to make me scared is when I'm like having to be here and then I get right horrified by small children singing Spanish. Okay. We'll watch it. Yeah. It's really list. Okay. Those are all my comments but I'm glad we did our Ed Warren rant. I just, I, my last concluding remark is that I feel like when God created the earth, she probably looked at Catholics and she was like, you fuckers, <laughs> absolutely not. And now every time that they're like really closed-minded judgmental pricks, mm-hmm. a poltergeist fucking comes out and just goes crazy. And it's like, well, you know, you know, maybe, get, maybe that's maybe the cause. More for a reason. Maybe they're targeted. You can say that as I a can, former as a Catholic. Catholic. I can't. I'm a former cradle Catholic. Like, I was indeed. Yeah. I can't say that, but I can. And I was raised in the Catholic Church. I was yeah. literally, like, my from kindergarten to senior year of high school, I was in theology classes, and mm-hmm. I was in mass, and I was around priests and brothers and nuns and sisters, and, like, wow. I just, even now, I think there's beauty and love and actions. And I think that people can be so religious and great human beings. But I also think too often, like any other facet of life, people like to cling to this idea of who they think they are. Yeah. And then in doing so, they hurt a bunch of other people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you want to believe that you're this person when in actuality, you're someone who enables somebody to do horrible things in the name of a religion. And that's not religion to me. And not to go off, but I feel like as queer people, we feel that even more from the Catholic church. Well, don't ever fucking tell me that your motive and that the reason you get out of bed every day is for love and to spread a peaceful message when that's not true. When you are actively trying to oppress any group of human beings and you're saying that's to make you like validate a mission that you have, Mm A, you need to check your white privilege. Mm-hmm. I don't even care what race you are. If you are doing that, you need to check your white privilege. <laughs> Thank B, you, Ryan. B, <laughs> like, no, religion isn't that to me. Yeah. And, like, I really do. Like, I am so – my best friend, my Georgia Peach, mm-hmm. who's the most religious human I have ever met, and she fucking carries it every day. Like, she does everything with love and with religion, yeah. really, if I'm being honest. And that's what, like, religion is to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to end this with people thinking, like, I'm a Catholic hater. Cause I'm a little bit of a Catholic hater, like I'll trip you, but like, I'm not going to like cuss you out because you're Catholic. Like that's not what I'm doing either. But like, if we want to have actual discussions about things, like I'm going to challenge your beliefs. Right. And I hope you challenge mine, but like with Mm -hmm. valid reasons, not like, Oh, you're sleeping with a woman. So you like sinning. Wink, wink. (laughs) It's like, Oh sure. (laughs) Tony, we're doing this. Um, big tangent, but yeah. Productive, I think. Yeah.
Okay. Now I'm done talking. Now you're done. Okay. Now I'm done with my commentary. Amazing. Thank you again for taking the time to research this. Oh yeah. For me and with me and it was great. Thank it was. You. It happened. It, it. We. Well, we did it. Lucky we episode seven. You know I like that number. I know. Well, cheers. Happy New Year's, babe. Happy New Year's. Hi guys. Just a reminder that if you want to follow us on social media, you can send in requests for cases or episodes to traffickedinamericapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram at traffickedpodcast or Twitter at traffickedpod. That's at traffickedpod. Thanks, guys. Bye.